Welcome to Energy Matters to You, May 8th, 2019th edition. The Energy Matters to You podcast is a communication platform that features technologies and thought leaders working to advance energy efficiency. The Energy Matters to You podcast seeks to connect buyers with sellers so that practical, cost-effective energy efficiency and sustainable energy solutions continue to gain market traction. I'm your host here, Leo Ryan. i got the co-host, Ron Galuli, on the line. Ron, how are you doing? Good morning, Leo. I'm doing well. How about you? Good. What's the camera saying at Higgins Beach? When are you going to be in the water surfing? Oh, it's funny you say that. I, I, you know, I get get out of the habit of checking because I just can't get there. Probably mid-June when uh, the kids are out of school. Unfortunately, it's going to be that long. Okay. Still, still wetsuit weather in mid-June? It's wetsuit weather all the time up there. <laughs> it's just how thick. <laughs> Good stuff. All right. Well, um, I went to a, a conference at the end of March, this um, 2019 Mass Sustainable Communities and Campuses Conferences. I, you, I think you you know the organizer of that group, right? Dan Bridger, yes. Yep. Yeah. Good. Well, they did a nice job, had pretty good attendance there. And there are a few things that, uh, you know, worth noting. Fran Cummings was there with Paragon Energy talking about uh, clean energy supply chain. There's a lot of uh, community talk about aggregation and clean energy in that mix. So that was an interesting talk. And then a lot of stuff on transportation. Uh, Galen Mook from uh, MassBike was there with talking about EVs and, and bicycles and some of the challenges that MassBike has incorporating into towns. And then I, d- I did meet a really interesting gentleman, this uh, Charlie Carey, who we're going to have on later, who's uh, passionate about uh, proper use of wood in, in Massachusetts and how that can be used for to, to, to meet an opportunity for energy needs. But before I get into that, I, I want to you know, talk a little bit about some of the work that um, the Mass CEC has done around biomass. And this is something you got, you've, you've had some connection with. Yeah. Um, at, at one point, actually, I think we, my company still has a contract with the Mass Clean Energy Center. Our purchase order just ran out of funds. But we were involved in their clean heating and cooling program. And part of our role was to facilitate the marketing of those those programs. And we really focused on the the heat pumps, the VRF systems, and we didn't really get into the biomass systems at the time. But it's really an interesting concept. You know, the whole goal of the program is to reduce carbon emissions in the Commonwealth. Right. Um, so that may be displacing oil-fired boilers and heaters. Uh, so that's that's the major goal. Okay, great. And now they've got this um, this wood stove change out program. It's a that combination. It's a collaborative program between Mass CEC and the Mass Department of Environmental Protection, where they're trying to get, you know, um, poorly functioning or, or or kind of polluting wood stoves, replacing them with better quality wood burning equipment. And there's incentives for that. That's that's correct. Yeah, there's pretty strict emission standards. You know, to go from a uh, standard cord wood heater to biomass system with the proper um, environmental controls on it. What, what is the difference between cord wood heaters and, and biomass heating? And speaking just from... Well, that is, that, that is a great question. And I think um, maybe that's a good segue to introduce Charlie to explain that. Let's do that. Okay. So Charlie Carey is a volunteer for a statewide wood energy team, otherwise known as SWET. And uh, Charlie, very passionate about, uh, you know, finding the right opportunity for wood to really impact the mass energy landscape. Charlie Carey, welcome to Energy Matters to you. Thanks very much for having me. I appreciate the opportunity. 
That's good. No, no reason to be nervous. You're like guest number 35 or something. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thanks. <laughs> I'd like to answer that question about what's the difference. And really, you know, cordwood is a batch-fed system so that the temperature in the firebox goes up and down all the time. Generally, the object of the game is to keep the wood burning as long as possible so you damper it down. To burn wood cleanly, you've got to burn it hot and fast. And that suggests automation, either with pellets or chips. Okay, okay. That's funny, Charlie. You, you answered that with such professionalism. I think it's probably worthwhile to spend a little time. Just uh, give me a summary of what you've been doing over the last few years in, uh, uh, professionally. Okay, thank you. Um, I've been in the industrial wood energy business for 35 years, basically selling wood heating systems to primarily to the forest products industries that produce wood residue as a byproduct of their operation and basically chasing what I call available wood. I, I sold the company to Messersmith Manufacturing uh, about a year and a half ago and have been pretty much trying to promote the idea that there's a lot of available wood out there uh, to help reduce the carbon, reduce uh, the amount of oil that we're using and basically reduce energy costs. That's great. Now, clearly, wood has been a critical resource in New England. And the, the forests have been cut several times and have, you know, built many homes in the, in the New England area. And, uh, you know, that, that, that's, that's one of the areas that, that you see uh, a lot of opportunity. Wood as a local resource and, and be valuable not just for building, but also for heating. Yeah, well, in fact, the interesting thing about Massachusetts is that we are importing about 98% of the wood that we're using in the state. And for a long time, we we did harvesting around what's known as high grading, which is when you go into a forest, you simply pull out the trees that can be made into boards. And the fact of the matter is there's an awful lot of wood residue that should come out of the forest for proper forest management. And the, the real issue that I'm hoping every all the listeners will think about is what is the highest and best use for that resource? Because until you find, until we increase the value of the wood coming out of the forest or forest management, as well as the wood being cut along your, your roadside to uh, keep your power line cleaned or, and for being cut for safety reasons, until we find a value for that, the disposal of that resource actually costs municipalities money and increases the cost of harvesting in the state of Massachusetts because we need, we're right now we're trucking it out of state. Okay. Now, there's, been a, there's been a couple of pretty significant blights that have impacted trees requiring municipalities to take down those trees. Is that part of the, the management of, of, of trees and wood that you're talking about? Absolutely. And I, I think that's really the place to start the focus on this question of what is the highest and best use of, of wood, which should be cut um, for environmental or safety reasons and cannot be left in place or be made into boards, because that's the place where uh, Massachusetts citizens are paying to get rid of uh, an asset, which, which could be uh, basically making their municipalities more energy independent and lowering their energy costs, as well as keeping local 
energy dollars in the economy. I mean, right now we're buying oil and gas and shipping energy dollars out of state. We have this wood resource in municipalities across the state that could be used to strengthen the local economy and lower energy costs. Right. And bring value to, to wood. I mean, a ton of wood is worth $150 worth of oil at $250 a gallon. So the, the fact that we're paying to get rid of that asset suggests that what we really need to be focusing on is trying to figure out how to develop the infrastructure to better utilize that resource. Before we, Charlie, I'm going to have you talk about that infrastructure, but before I do that, I want to bounce back to Ron here because, uh, Charlie, you'd mentioned a couple of times about the, the cost to municipalities, but another key player in this whole picture, Ron, is the utilities. Uh, I know that you spent a chunk of your career working on transmission easements for the utilities. Tell us how the utilities handle wood and, and what kind of cost it represents them for management of their system. Yeah, I was involved in several, when I worked in the transmission group at National Grid, several tree clearing operations. And it was actually a pretty impressive process. So there's some larger outfits, and Charlie, I'm sure you're familiar with them, such as I think Northern Tree. I worked closely with them in Rhode Island, and we had to clear 12 miles of uh, right away, 40 feet wide. And the amount of wood and how they went about it, it was really like an assembly line process. It was certainly a learning experience for me. But, you know, they basically cut the saw logs, but the rest of the material gets gets chipped up and carted away. So I, I assume folks like Northern, you know, they have a process and they know where to get rid of the wood. But it seems to me, you know, in my day-to-day, you know, life in, in still where I live, I see tree trucks all the time coming up and down the streets at various times of the year. And I'm always wondering, where does all that wood go? And it seems like there's got to be a better way to communicate between the folks that are cutting the trees and have all that debris and how to get that to the market, Charlie. Absolutely. I, I, I was going to ask where they took the wood, but people who find markets for wood residue don't generally want to talk too much about them um, because they are few and far between. I think the, the, the you know, the only wood power plant in the state is buying in wood at $20 a ton. And it costs more than that to get the wood to the landing, let alone grind it up and transport it to the plant. So every ton that goes into that power plant is basically being subsidized by somebody or decreasing the value of the boards that came off the land at the same time as that low grade. So uh, utilities are another big one that really do need to figure out what to do an awful lot with this wood. An awful lot of it's being blown on the ground at the moment. Of course, once you chip something up, the uh, carbon will return to the atmosphere as it biodegrades. So so you're, you're sort of getting a double whammy where you're transporting it and burning diesel uh, to transport it. And then you're either burning it or letting it biodegrade as mulch or some other uh, ground pro- cover. And again, the carbon goes back to the atmosphere with very little public benefit as compared to what could be if you used it as a local fuel. Good. So, Charlie, you've made the case very well that uh, we have this large potential beneficial resource in wood in in the area, Massachusetts in particular, and that uh, it's not being properly managed. We've got uh, significant costs that the utilities and that the municipalities pay. And you'd mentioned that we need to develop an infrastructure 
that can take advantage of this resource. So give us a sense of what that infrastructure would look like uh, and, and, and how we might transition to capture the value of wood by using it for energy in Massachusetts. Well, the, the infrastructure would, would, would be a, uh, a number of wood boilers uh, throughout different communities and develop local fuel supply chains to feed those boilers. The, the, the way they do it in Europe is they keep it all local. They don't transport the wood to some central location and then bring it back out. The model that, that I'm advocating is simply store the wood, as much of the wood as possible, in, in round wood form. So it dries out and makes a better, the drier the fuel, the better the fuel, because uh, the hotter it will burn. Once that wood dries out, if you chip it up, you can bring it around the community very inexpensively uh, as fuel. But the idea is that we need, it's a, it's a chicken and egg thing now. There's no market. So uh, no one is, no one is, is trying to figure out what to do with the wood. And until we have markets, that's not going to happen. So my sense is that the, the, the difference between paying to get rid of something and $150 a ton suggests that there's an opportunity, economic opportunity right. for um, market forces to drive the demand for this resource if we can simply demonstrate what I call proof of concept, which at this point we do not have. Okay. So, you know, we at Energy Matters, too, we're really trying to to find those technologies that can provide, put us in a more sufficient, sustainable energy position. And so you've made the case that there's this fuel out there that's not being used and that you've you just described the need for wood boilers in multiple locations, a supply chain developed and keeping it all local. So you minimize that, you know, the diesel cost, environmental and financial, moving the wood around. So there's a couple of key decision makers. We got a, a CFO, someone who understands the finance of this and sees the, the financial value in the wood. And then the, you know, the, the recouping of costs that were spent for disposal of the wood. Now we can, now we get a value. We have that. But there's also the, the technical decision maker, somebody who's delivering heat to a municipality or a company or a building or a school, whatever it might be. So. Where, where do we start? Do we start with the, the technical element to make the case that this is a technology that can work, or do we start from a financial level to describe how, how the wood could be, be better managed and we could reduce the cost of disposal of wood? Well, the, the real issue here is that the solutions are all locally based. I'm not surprised that there wasn't a lot of marketing going on around biomass energy for the clean energy from this clean energy center because it's such a hard thing to sort of put your thumb on saying this is the way it should be handled. All, all solutions are are local as far as where you take the wood and what, what the markets are. My feeling is if we start conversations at the local level saying what is the highest and best use for this resource, we will we will alert people to this opportunity and people will become somewhat outraged that uh, you know, we're spending money to get rid of something that could be so helpful to the community and to the environment that that local champions were developed to, to sort of usher projects through the local channels necessary to get them actually developed. The technology is there for good, clean, efficient combustion. Um, if I can just say one quick word about that, the perception about burning wood is based on residential fireplaces and outdoor wood boilers. 
which are just terribly, terribly inefficient. And it, 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 it's the legacy systems that are, are per, coloring perception. If we can get a couple of municipalities actually, you know, working their way through the process and get, get sites developed, I think more, much more would be burned in the state. Does that answer your question? It does, Charlie. Thank you. Um, and I just got to kind of bring this to a close here. And I think you've described a nice call to action, but I'll just give you two particular. If, if there is a look, if someone listens to this and they feel called to be involved, what's a bet, what's the, the best way for them to get involved in? And what do you want folks to do? Well, I, I think it'd be very interesting for folks listening to this to ask their local community leaders what's happening to the wood now. And, you know, is there a better use for it, burning it as wood? I have a good bit of backup documentation that I'd be happy to send people, including a video, to sort of get people's attention about this opportunity. And they can, you know, contact me at my email address is probably the best way, which is C-R-C-A-R-Y, that's in Charles R. Carey, at Verizon.net. Again, that's C-R-C-A-R-Y at Verizon.net. Perfect. Good. And uh, obviously, we'll have some connections through the uh, Energy Matters to You website and and LinkedIn community. Hey, Ryan, anything else before we let Charlie go? Yeah, Charlie, one thought or observation, you know, based on uh, the information you provided and my limited knowledge of, you know, the biomass program at MassCEC, would a more community-based incentive approach work, for example, would it make sense for the Mass DEC to work with local community and say, okay, we're going to buy you, you know, a trailer truck size wood chipper, you know, to set up the infrastructure and, you know, we're going to fund boiler for the local senior center or pool or high school or something like that. And is that a way to maybe jumpstart the infrastructure at the local level? And then, you know, now you have all that local wood going to a specific point and then you know, the individual residents in that town may start gravitating toward biomass options. Yeah, so I, I absolutely, I, I think it's a bottoms up approach is absolutely the way to go because one size does not fit all with wood burning. It's just, there's too many variables as far as where the wood's coming from, but it's all out, it's out there. It's just, we need to aggregate it. And so, yeah, I think, I, you're, yes, I think it, it would be extremely helpful if the state could could set up the first proof of concept demonstration. And I yeah. think from there, um, uh, you know, there, there are jobs involved in, in, in doing the chipping and, and the harvesting and the moving of wood and keep those energy dollars local as a real economic development opportunity. Well, that's great. And Charlie, I hope that this uh, Energy Matters to You podcast helps to push that proof of concept and identify the champion in the municipality to, to get things started. One, thank you very much for your energy in this area and for coming on and sharing your, your knowledge with us. Well, I appreciate very much the opportunity. Thanks, guys. Great. Take care. Thank you. Bye. Hey, Ron, um, I know we've got a couple of guests coming up. Anybody you're thinking about? In the immediate radar, but we do have a couple of events that some of our listeners may be interested in. The uh, DOER, the Mass Department of Energy Resources, is hosting a storage stakeholder event on May 23rd. And New Energy Solutions is hosting a storage event at the uh, Marriott uh, on Com Ave in Newton. And that is on June 27th. So 
you know, our experience with the last storage event, we expect uh, good crowds there. That's great. Good. And uh, in terms of uh, guests, we got Stephen Strong from Solar Design Associates, who seems to speak at all of the local conferences. He's going to join us uh, next month for the next Energy Matters to you. So we've got a steady stream of guests. It's uh, great to have those people. We always learn something. So I want to thank all those folks who've taken time to download and listen to the podcast. Please, if you have ideas, communicate with Ron and I through the LinkedIn Energy Matters to You site. And always your feedback is welcome. There's work to be done. Go make a difference. Thank you. Thank you.